Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we will have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that impacts your agency and organization. Today, we will have scholar and author, Robert Secor. Hello, Robert. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. Thank you. Thanks for joining our podcast today. I think we have a lot of interesting things to discuss, especially from a secure coding perspective and education and training around how to develop better and secure software. Yeah, I agree. Robert, there's been a lot of hype around DevOps and security DevOps. So I have two particular questions I want to ask you. One, what are some of the potential drawbacks from traditional software development methodologies? And two, what are some improvements over the traditional software development methodologies? Well, so so DevOps means a lot of different things to different people. uh, And depending on uh, how people are interpreting those terms, it it could be sort of an advantage over traditional development processes or a different uh, or a – or a, um, a degradation. Uh, so to the degree it's interpreted to mean uh, improved communications between software development, assurance, and IT operations, uh, along with increased automations, there really is no disadvantage of DevOps. Uh, to the degree that it's viewed as uh, sort of trying to reduce schedules and uh, and force uh, releases out to uh, market, possibly before their uh, properly uh, vet it, uh, it's a step backwards from traditional methodologies. Uh, the, the secure DevOps uh, can either refer to an increased emphasis on security in the DevOps process, uh, or it could mean applying these similar lessons to uh, the orchestration of uh, security controls to produce secure installations. But in either case, um, it's it, it's basically a sort of uh, encapsulation and and automation of of uh, best practices and and so in 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 that regard it's also could be viewed as a, a step forward. So, do you think the federal government is agile enough to embrace this new approach to software development? So, uh, th- there's no inherent reason why they wouldn't be. Um, so. Uh, as you know, uh, there's there's very little software being developed directly by the federal government, except in a few small uh, programming centers. Uh, so, you know, any real change has to come through the acquisition process. So, successful acquisition processes really have always meant uh, having uh, sort of intelligent, engaged uh, government customers uh, who uh, you know communicate regularly with the contractors to make sure that um, everyone understands the uh, you know, the, the requirements as frequently, you know, requirements evolve and they understand the trade-offs that are being made through the development uh, process. And, you know, a big element of DevOps is, is sort of this uh, increased or improved communications between uh, between the, the customer, the user, the operations team and the developers. And and so, uh, so DevOps really uh, does emphasize uh, this uh, d- uh, improved communication. And so, um, so it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a positive step, uh, in making sure that, you know, the, the government and the customer is fully engaged in the development process. So speaking of the federal government, uh, one of the things I see is a challenge to really, um, you know, enforce secure coding practices and, and really, uh, focus on the secure development lifecycle piece. So one of the things I wanted to know from you, what is the best way for the federal government to enforce and 
adherence uh, to secure coding practices? So, uh, you know, a very good way to do it is to simply uh, specify uh, contractual requirements, uh, for example, to ensure that, you know, secure coding standards are used during the um, during the acquisition development process. And, and so that can be uh, accomplished by just, you know, uh, adding language to the RFP in the uh, statement of work and in the sections L&M, the instructions to offers and the technical evaluation criteria, uh, and also uh, making sure that the uh, the CDRL, the contract data requirements list, is updated with the uh, with with those requirements. Um, and so, while at the SEI, uh, I co-authored a technical report uh, called "Supporting the Use of CERT Secure Coding Standards in uh, DoD Acquisitions," uh, and that provided uh, you know sample language for uh, for requiring conformance with the the CERT Secure Coding Standards. So that could be used as a a template in this case. So do you think we're making, you know, not just in the federal government, do you think we're making improvements in trying to integrate uh, security in all aspects of the software uh, development lifecycle? What are your take on that? Do you think we're better off now or getting worse? Um, yeah, you know, probably a little bit of both. Uh, so, you know, there, there have been improvements. Um, you know, Microsoft is a good example of a company that, you know, had had some security problems and then went uh, went through a, you know, a decade of, of, of creating improved security development lifecycle and uh, having a, a more of an emphasis on security. And so, so they sort of greatly improved uh, what they were doing. And in many cases, that it, you know, that's true. Uh, but there's also sort of these um, um, these new, you know, uh, Internet of Things, where you've got uh, all sorts of uh, um, you know embedded code stacks on chips, and you have short-lived companies that are around for six months and then go away, and you've got um, you know mobile phone devices where um, you, you know that cease to be patched within you know six months of uh, a new phone coming out, and 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 so there's um, you know there's there's better practices out there, but those practices aren't being uh, uni uniformly applied. Many people think there's a direct correlation between software quality and software security. Robert, do you think there's a correlation between the two? And does better software quality lead to better security? Uh, yeah, they're very much related. And, um, you know, improving software quality uh, would have... Uh, typically the side effect of also improving uh, software security. Um, you know, one way we look at this is that if you look at security critical code, such as uh, doing uh, privilege management or, say, encryption software, uh, any defect can be a security vulnerability. So there's a case where uh, quality and security are, uh, are exactly the same. Uh, in non-security critical code, uh, there tends to be a subset of, of software defects uh, that might, for example, corrupt memory, such as a buffer overflow, or pass uh, unsanitized data to a uh, restricted uh, sync, such as a you know a SQL injection, uh, and and those sort of defects correlate uh, very highly with uh, vulnerabilities. Um, the key for software developers, uh, the key that software developers need to understand is that. Um, you know, compilers um, 
frequently fail to uh, diagnose various undefined behaviors that can lead to vulnerabilities. So just having uh, your code compile cleanly and pass the test uh, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that code is secure. And, you know, in fact, many defects, many security vulnerabilities re remain dormant in code for, uh, you know, upwards to a decade before they're uh, eventually detected. Rob, I had a very interesting conversation at a working group that I participated in on yesterday. And the conversation evolved around incentives for developers to do the right thing in terms of software development. Do you think it's possible to have incentives to encourage uh, and influence software developers to do the right thing? What I mean by do the right thing is improve the overall quality and security of software um, as they are developing software? Um, it, it, it's possible, but, but difficult. So, so there was a, a Dilbert strip, I think from about 15 years ago where, uh, you know, the pointy haired boss said, um, you know, we we have an incentive. We're going to pay everyone a hundred dollars for every defect they find in their code. And, and so Wally of course goes, you know, you know, woot, I'm going to code me a mini, uh, minivan, <laughs> you know? So, um, <laughs> so he, you know, sort of instantly figured out how to, uh, exploit the incentive to, you know, without necessarily improving the the quality of the systems, um, and, and so uh, you know, just just even evaluating programmer productivity is a is a tough problem. Um, you know, if you if you measure the lines of code they write, uh, it's 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 not necessarily a a, a good strategy because you uh, a, a really good developer will, um, you know implement functionality with less code and and really you you want less code because there's less uh to go wrong uh and and so um so it's it's always a good idea to have uh strong incentives but um they have to be very carefully uh considered and and frequently you know i i would say the the biggest problem a lot of times is just uh schedule pressure um, and, and the schedule pressures is sort of what forces uh, developers to be sloppier uh, than, the, than they would normally prefer to be. You know, so, uh, so just kind of understanding, um, you know, the time that's really needed to do, do the job well, I think, uh, could, could frequently result in, um, you know, higher quality code. Robert, I want to wrap this up. And I, one, one last thing I want to get from you is what advice would you give the federal government in terms of providing the proper education and training for software developers who develop software, either integrators or in-house software developers? What advice would you give to the federal government? Um, well, you know, we, um, we're, we're, we're going to be offering uh, some secure coding training at the NCC group. Um, it, it's really um, very important to get some secure coding training. Um, you know, a lot of people, um, uh, you know, are self-taught uh, and, and learn to program by trial and error. But uh, again, the problem with trial and error with coding is that, you know, you can, you can sort of work through all your syntax errors and you can work through all your runtime errors and you could get the code to function, but unless you understand uh, the types of coding errors that can lead to 
uh, vulnerabilities and how those might be exploited, you really can't uh, you really can't tell that um, your code is free from vulnerability. So, software security and secure coding is is one area where it is it is actually very important to uh, to get training and to stay current on uh, what's going on in the field. So, you know, that would be my, my recommendation. Robert, you, you're embarking on new new things, right? New beginnings for you with a new job and everything. Um, and, you know, you're known as a scholar and, and author in this field. So what can we expect from you uh, in the next coming months, the next couple of years? I know you have a couple of books that's currently out. Uh, can we expect uh, more work from from you in terms of new additions to the secure coding um, guideline books that you have out now? Um, you know, it's 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 still sort of an interesting question because I've uh, you know I have just started a new position at NCC Group and and um, part of what I typically do when I start a new job is I is I let the let the new job come to me <laughs> so I can sort of find out you know. Uh, what it is that I, you know, I, I now need to do now that I'm uh, in a different situation. Um, but certainly, one of the projects I have going is uh, is uh, live lessons for secure coding in Java with uh, Pearson, and uh, part one of that has been released. And my editor would very much appreciate it if I were to complete parts two and three of that uh, live lessons video series as well. Well, let's get it done, Robert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks for your insights and perspectives. Appreciate it. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Robert Secord. Also, want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on Fed Scoot Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.